And so we come to Twelfth Night. And if I can start with a personal view. A few years ago, I realised I didn't actually support Manchester United. I supported Alex Ferguson. I was gripped by his winning mentality, his gum-chewing physic and the way he got the best out of his players. He kept United in the Champions League every season. He built four new teams and he managed upwards in a quite difficult environment when the Glazer family took control of the club. As with most men, his taints and honours weigh equal upon him, which is the point of this series, mapping the 80 years of Alex Ferguson. Sometimes he would take it too far, though I hope history won't cancel Alex Ferguson just because he accidentally caught David Beckham with a boot and bullied the media ruthlessly and seemed to take the joy from Brian Kidd in converting young pros into cup-winning internationals. I have just written a piece, which I hope gets published next year, on the expected joy metric, or this year rather, the expected joy metric. And above all, I always found joy in watching United under Ferguson. The whipper-snapping play of Park Ji-sung, the quick forwards like Solskjaer and Van Persie, the FA Cup goal by Ryan Giggs, another player who may be brought down by his private affairs, by Eric Cantona, full stop. There is a whole industry behind making Ferguson a saintly figure who turned around an oil tanker and helped them win 13 league titles. I recorded this series before his 80th birthday and I expect that leading up to it, a lot of very talented journalists will have had to write all sorts of eulogies which recap the familiar signposts of the Ferguson myth. 1990, Mark Robbins' goal. 1995, Eric Cantona's Kung Fu kick. 1996, Beckham's lob. 1999, the new Camp. 2003, John O'Shea run ragged by Cristiano Ronaldo. 2006, losing to Southend United. What do you mean, no? Surely they have to mention that as part of the myth. 2008, Anderson wins the Champions League. 2012, Aguero. 2013, David Moyes is the chosen one. I can predict that there will have been quotations from Brian Robson, Gordon Strachan, Alec McLeish, Archie Knox, Paul Scholes and on Sky, the United Mafiosi, who will all pour forth their tributes to the gaffer. Gary Neville might get a full hour on Christmas Eve. It is very handy, after all, for Sky Sports that United won those 13 titles when Sky themselves bought the rights to show the league's biggest games. No wonder B Sky B wanted to buy the club itself. The way the TV cameras cut from a gloomy Ferguson to an enraptured Kenny Dalgleish, as I mentioned at the very start of this 12 Days of Fergie essay, will likely play a prominent role in the calendar year coverage of Sky Sports. Since 2013, United have not added to those 13 post-1992 titles. Ferguson, as I mentioned earlier, has been a paid ambassador for United, attending matches and representing the club he turned into a leveraged debt-making machine. The fumblings and failings of the club need not detain us. Nine months at Moyes, Van Gaal sacked the day he won United the FA Cup. Three seasons of the same old Mourinho, Ole at the wheel. After his second memoir was published in 2013, Ferguson worked with Michael Moritz on leading, a sort of compendium of ideas that he had taught on the Harvard MBA course. The book is fine. I'm sure the expensive lessons were useful for aspirant billionaires. Far more interesting is that in 2021, the reign of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came to an end. After United's 5-0 loss at Old Trafford to Liverpool, Johnny Northcroft did note the £20 million spent on the away dressing room and how the United owners are seeking master architects for an expensive project of upgrading and expanding the South Stand. 
Northcroft continued, it's a new direction for the Glazers, who, for the previous 16 years, barely bought a new pot of paint, allowing a stadium that hosted a Champions League final only two years before their 2005 takeover to become a tatty hulk with leaky roofs and a rodent infestation. The step change has nothing to do with long-term planning. It's because in the fallout from the European Super League, the Glazers apologised to supporters and committed themselves to making amends through improvements, like at last spending on the stadium. Johnny Northcroft warns against their reactive approach, constantly reacting to results and the pundits, Keane, Ferdinand, Scholes, Neville, Rooney, who for three years asked the board and fan base for patience. It is bizarre to see fans begging Gary Neville to criticise his friend's management. Wayne Rooney, Patrice Evra and Luis Saha all spoke up for Solskjaer and castigated the playing staff for not pulling their weight. Solskjaer was not sacked after the 5-0 thrashing by Liverpool, but after the more prosaic defeat at Vicarage Road, where United, helped by former United players in the Watford lineup, lost 4-1. Perhaps it was easier to call Ole into the London office in swanky Mayfair than do it at the training ground. Matt Dickinson's column about the end of Ole Solskjaer's period as United manager led to the summation that there has never really been a Fergusonian school of management like Kaifism or the crop of Bielcistas. Many of Ferguson's former United players have tried management. Steve Bruce, Keane, Mark Hughes, Ryan Giggs, the Nevilles, Jap Stam, Henningberg and more, but I cannot imagine anyone sees a common thread, tactical template or shared philosophy. Instead, writes Dicko, Ferguson was about personality, ambition, conviction, something Roy Keane definitely has in his punditry, and Neville with his hotel, university, analysis and criticism of this Tory government. I wonder if Neville's own politics were influenced by those of his manager. Writing in the Sunday Times, David Walsh imagines the scene when Cristiano Ronaldo was signed with Ferguson's approval. Could Solskjaer have demurred? Could he have said he was building his team around a talented group of young attacking players and what he really needed was an accomplished defensive midfielder? Would it have been appreciated if he had argued that his talented attackers were particularly suited to playing on the counter-attack and if Ronaldo returned, a lot of things would have to be changed to accommodate him? I am fascinated in how the media have covered Ferguson at 80. Guardian writer Johnny Lou refers to the enduring cult of Ferguson – There is something essentially quite weird about the extent to which this global super club still appears to be enthralled to a retired 79-year-old man who has not coached a football team in almost a decade. Thus we get Fergusonism, a blueprint for any new manager to follow. Fergusonism, writes Johnny Lou, is why United should always play with wingers, why the ultimate responsibility always lies with the players, why all managers deserve time, however bad things get. Solskjaer was initially promoted as a caretaker manager to recreate the spirit and attacking ethos of the team he played in under Ferguson. Solskjaer won zero cups in a Covid-disrupted era, but the team had won three trophies before him, the Europa League and the League Cup under Jose Mourinho and the FA Cup under Louis van Gaal. Calling for a clean break, a fresh start, a cultural reset, Liu recalls 1986. Then, as now, United needed and need an apostate, a young visionary prepared to sweep everything away and build a club along new principles from the academy upwards. Perhaps by importing Rolf Ranić, who boosted the fortunes of first Hoffenheim, then Red Bull Leipzig. They can have the same magic touch that Liverpool under Klopp and Chelsea under Tuchel did. 
both managers recently won the Champions League, a trophy which United returned to competing for in 2021 thanks to Solskjaer's management. Talking of famous coaches, we didn't lose the game, we just ran out of time, was an adage pinched from Vince Lombardi, the gridiron coach. Having survived the brain hemorrhage, Alex is now in Fergie time himself. Grandfather, United ambassador, sage and 80-year-old pensioner. But I wouldn't call him that to his face. You can find over 200 interviews with journalists, fans and football critics in the Football Library for whom this 12 Days of Fergie has been written and produced by me, Johnny Brick. Thank you for listening.